0: All right, so we're going to continue right on into our series titled Reclaimed, and this is a marriage and family series for those of you that haven't been here the last four weeks. This is a series that we have no idea when it's going to end. We don't know when the series is going to end. Uh, It's going to end when the Lord says it's time for it to end, because there's so much to talk about in regards to parenting, in regards to children, in regards to the single life. I, I tackled some of that last week. And by the way, all these messages are on podcast. They're also going to be live streamed, uh, which, by the way, welcome to everybody on Facebook and YouTube that's watching us right now. We live stream right after the worship at the 1130 service. So if you missed any of the messages, please go back because this is such an important time for so many reasons. And the main reason is that really the devil hates marriage. He hates it. And marriage is under attack. And if you're single and you're in waiting, trust me, that he's going to do all he can to keep you back from fully engaging in a healthy marriage and for it to become everything God wants it to become. And so we called this series Reclaimed because we're taking back what was stolen from the enemy in our past. So if you have burned down relationships and marriages and, and uh, lots of relationship failures, if your picker has been broken... We want to fix your picker, okay? If, uh, can we edit that out? No, we can't. Chooser, your chooser. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, If your chooser's not broken, then we want to keep it that way. And what we want to do is we want to see our sons and daughters and families be healthy. And even if you've blown it up and burned it to the ground, the Bible says that the Lord's trade's beauty for ashes. And so there's always hope. There's always hope. Remember that. If you're watching or you're here today, there's always hope for you. It's never too late. It's never t- as long as you have a breath, you have another opportunity. And what we want to do is not put up, put up these unhealthy boundaries and make these vows that says, I'll never love again. I'll never be able to go through it again. Uh, people make those choices all the time, and they're not healthy. And so we're going to work to tear that down. Every week, we can, there's no way we can possibly answer all the questions. In fact, sometimes we leave more questions than answers, but that's by design. That's by design so that you'll discover and so that you'll continue to stay in the process, and that's why this series is going to just keep going and going and going, because uh, there's a lot of questions to be answered. So today, we're going to be talking about the understanding of what a real comparable helper is and finding what the bible describes as your help meet m e e t the scripture of help mate is not in the bible okay and so that gets twisted that gets perverted and there's a really there's a lot of warped ideas and concepts about what a help meet should be and so we're going to tackle some of that today and we're
1: going to tell our process our story about how we discovered how to be the proper help meet Help That's right. Virgin. We're gonna.
0: I'm gonna self-deprecate today a little bit and tell them myself. I just
1: prepare for laughter because just thinking back about our process of dating is quite humorous. Because
0: it was very humorous. We've just
1: changed a lot.
0: So yes, we did. And so what, we're going to start off this morning with the scripture in Proverbs. It's Proverbs 18:22, and I'm not going to fully teach on this scripture in depth, though. There's because there's so much to talk about, but there's a couple key points that I want to show to you. Last week, I talked about how marriage is a promotion, and I do understand that there are people in this world that will never be called to be married. That does happen, and it's in the Bible, and being single and solely focused on the Lord for your whole life, there were people that did it in the Bible, and that is also a unique promotion from the Lord. You only know him all the days of your life, and there's obviously a lot of benefits to that. But for most of us, we're going to be called to marriage, and we're going to be called to be together with one person for the rest of our lives, and there's a lot of reasons for that, which is why the enemy hates it so much, because the process of fulfilling God's original intent from the garden is the understanding of being fruitful, multiplying, and advancing the kingdom all over the world.
1: Right, and marriage, even if married or not, you're supposed to be fruitful, Um, And so you can reproduce spiritual sons and daughters.
0: That's right. So some women are barren, and they're not able to have children. And it doesn't mean that you can't either, A, adopt, or especially raise up spiritual sons and daughters all over the world. And the ultimate purpose of being fruitful and multiply wasn't just having babies, Okay? Because there's a lot of people having babies that aren't living fruitful lives, kids having kids, they don't know Jesus, they're raising kids up with fatherlessness and dysfunction. The, the ultimate plan was to raise up spiritual sons and daughters and a prophetic generation of sold-out lovers who love Jesus with all their heart and want to give that love away to everyone else around them. Okay? And so whatever your life stage is, whatever it is, it's important that you understand God has a unique purpose for you. Last week, I talked about the purpose in being single, and I talked about how it's a time of being fully devoted in your body, in your mind, in your heart, thinking how to serve and please the Lord. You have this unique opportunity in your singleness to be fully devoted to him, not hopelessly devoted, faithfully devoted, right? And so, but in marriage, it has another understanding of what it looks like. So we're going to talk about some of that. In the understanding, let's pull that scripture up, Proverbs eighteen twenty two. So marriage is a promotion. It's something I've talked about a lot. And when we find our spouse, particularly someone who understands what it means to be a wife or a husband, because being a father, being a mother, being a wife, being a husband means something. Let's make sure we understand it means something. And if you don't know what it means, Hey. If you don't know what it means, it's important to know. So finding somebody that's in position and confident in their identity is important because not everyone's a wife and not everyone's a husband. So we're in this process of discovery in this process of learning. And so when you find your spouse, you find a good thing, especially when they're walking confident in their identity of who they are. But we also find something even greater We find something more than just something good for our lives. We find the favor of the Lord. And the word favor actually ties into the word Eden, and it's tied into God's original intent because the word favor means pleasure, delight, goodwill. It means acceptance. It means finding God's desire or will for your life. And that's what I want for you. That's what Amber wants. We want that for you.
1: We We, all want a marriage full of delight.
0: That's right, we do.
1: (laughs) That's this original intent for us. It seems so far-fetched, but it's supposed to be the reality of marriage.
0: That's right. And so marriage in and of itself is not flawed. Marriage in and of itself is not flawed. The favor that we gain in marriage from the Lord is perfect, and it's beautiful, and it comes from God. God is the one that instituted and set up the design of marriage for a really great purpose. And in the coming weeks, in a few weeks, we're going to hopefully move into Ephesians 5, and we're going to talk more about this process of how the Lord laid his life down for his bride, and now we lay our lives down for our bride. Okay? And we're going to talk about that some today and more in the future. So when you hear the terminology of death, die, death, die, that's not like, Really, it's not a bad thing. It's only a bad thing if you want to live selfishly for yourself. It's a bad thing if you only see a spouse as meeting your needs, okay? And so marriage is absolutely perfect, and it's absolutely beautiful in God's design and God's intent, but where it goes sideways is in broken communication, disrespect, dishonor, shame, pride, intimacy issues, when one or both people are broken and they marry each other and you have broken, unresolved issues in your life. And that's really, in a lot of ways, why we're here is to help us all become healthy and help us all become what the Lord wants us to become in a non-weird, flaky, religious way. What you see here is who I am all the time. What you see is what you get. We don't put on a front. We never, ever thought we would fully be in this position the way that we are, especially you. And so, and she's going to tell you that. And so marriage goes sideways when we bring in selfishness, shame, and all these other things, broken, unresolved issues inside of us. But what God intended was perfect and beautiful, and it wasn't flawed. One of the greatest flaws that, can, that we can bring into marriage are unrealistic expectations. And the challenge is that, Most people don't really understand covenant, and inside unrealistic expectations, we put things on other people that are not normal, not what God wants, and in turn, it causes a lot of problems, a lot of problems. And what we want to do is show people what healthy and normal should look like, even if it's messy, even in the midst of a lot of conflict resolution, even in the midst of a lot of I'm sorry's it can be a beautiful mess. And I have been a real mess. I've been a real mess. But God brought Amber into my life. And Amber, in so many ways, brought so much strength and stability and favor and promotion into my life. I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing if I didn't have her. I'm just I'm not saying that to puff her up. I'm telling you. <clears throat> and so it wasn't always that way, though. I had... A lot of unrealistic expectations of Amber pre-marriage. And she had some towards the Lord. So we're going to tell you some of those today. And I better take a drink of this coffee.
1: Oh, boy. Go ahead. Smile, ladies. Smile. It all it's out. all right.
0: So I had uh, a list.
1: That he emailed me. Oh, man, me. did I have a list. He emailed this list to me. <laughs>
0: Did I really email? I th-
1: you really did. I found it the other day. I went back to look at my old email, and I, I was like, it's still there. Like, I still it makes me laugh.
0: So I had some expectations. Really the main thing for me was, and I'll clarify, but the mindset was I wanted Amber to do wifely, wifey things pre-marriage. I'm not talking about physical, because I loved the Lord and she loved the Lord. But I, I was, I've always been 100 miles an hour, a real go-getter, and had a lot of irons in the fire at any one given time. And for years, I had a corporate job where I traveled all the time. And I kind of took the mindsets of what I had then, which were unhealthy, when I came to Corpus. And so, you know, like one of the things that I wanted was Amber to do my laundry before marriage. Dishes, iron, clean my house. Iron my shirt. Whew. I already feel the temperature rising in this room right now.
1: You'll rest Calm assured. down. Rest Calm assured, down. none of those ever happened. <laughs> when, when I got the email, I laughed really hard and then discarded it in the trash can of the email.
0: And, and
1: I really laughed and I didn't even respond. It was so ridiculous that I did not even respond to it. But his heart behind it, I believe, was that he was really wanting to make sure that I was going to be the nurturing, that what he had lacked, I think, from his mother and his childhood is what I'm interpreting, um, what I believe is what was happening. But it came out as, you have lost your mind. <laughs> and so I've always been pretty stuck in my ways, and um, I didn't even consider any of those things. And we dated a long time. We had a lot to work through. Five
0: years. We were on and off for five years. Now, I don't want any of you to date for five years, okay? Unless
1: that's how long it takes you to be Well, I don't want
0: you to date for three months either. So, So you know, it's God has a process and it's in his time and it's in his way. But weathering storms was important. With going through difficulties in life, having some conflict resolution, uh, really discovering and getting another person and building a friendship. So by the time we got married, we really, really, really knew each other. And even though we had another process of dying to self after marriage, at the same time, we had been through so much together, it made life a lot easier right, for us. Right, we had done
1: ministry together. I was the children's pastor, and he was the pastor of the church. And I was the campus pastor. Campus pastor. And so we had done ministry and life together for a long time.
0: Yeah, and so I had other lists and expectations.
1: Yeah, it doesn't stop there.
0: It they were... Stop. So here's what I want to say is, first there's always a little bit of a hesitation in sharing our story because I don't want you to make your story our story. What I want you to do is take what the Holy Spirit's showing you and build a unique story for yourself. All of us are uniquely different. No two stories are the same. You all have a unique story, and that's why I loved hearing from Don and Doug Wednesday night. And on Wednesdays, we're going to start having more married couples share their story because we can learn a lot from other people's stories, right? Right? but it's time for you guys to hear some of ours. And so I was really, I had a skewed understanding of marriage, and I thought that I understood it. And really, my list, if you looked at my list, I was actually creating and crafting a strategy. I was, architect, I was being the architect of my own future and, de- and defining my own self. Like, for example, I wanted a woman... That was a, either played an instrument, was a singer, or a worship leader.
1: And I can't sing, nor do I even know how to read music. I'm I just not inclined that way. But he had this picture of like a fiery, probably more like a Misty Edwards, right? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Very opposite of me. Um, so he's just very, he wanted a fiery, fired up, high energy. And I have always been this way. I really don't very off of my steady, um, consistent, but my love for the Lord is deep. It's just, I express it differently.
0: You're, um, you're he's introvert. very
1: extravagant in everything and his color choices. Um, <laughs> <laughs> stickers. Bright and like, loud. No, he's, <laughs> he's, he's bright and loud. I'm like, where's the gray and white? Um, and then, no, I like color, but he's just Everything about him is extravagant. Bumper stickers, the license plate has know. to have a, when we were dating you always had a big stickers on everything. Like like the name of the church, the name of everything you own or do and and then the and then license plates had to have a f- cool name and it had to be all hey, so I much. Still like that. And you had flames on the side of your truck. <laughs> I was like, Woo! everything about it was wow. like, no, nothing nothing about it is I don't wanna drive in this car. It's like, <laughs>
0: So I, so I wanted a woman that would bombard the heavens in intercession for me. And Amber has a deep prayer life. She loves the Lord. But it just looks different. And the expectations that I was creating, it didn't mean that my desires in and of themselves were not right. But it meant that they were unrealistic for her. And what I was doing was taking control of my own future in what I wanted instead of trusting the Lord to do it in his way, when, even when it didn't look exactly like I thought it would look. And ultimately, what I had to do was take that list and throw it away. Now, there were some non-negotiables, and we'll talk about that. There were some non-negotiables. There were deal breakers. But those ultimately weren't it. I thought they were, hence five years of being on and off. And Amber had to work through a lot of things as well. Both of us had to go through this process of laying down desires and dreams and expectations. So she had some too.
1: Mine were more of I will never. It w- it wasn't necessarily what... She I- had a lot of
0: I will nevers. I'll never
1: be with this person kind of thing. I had or I had told the Lord. I've grown a lot, but I was telling the Lord back then what I was going to do with my life. And.
0: <laughs> she tells the Lord a lot what she's going to do. I don't
1: anymore. I'm long gone with that whole thing. <laughs> um, but I was telling the Lord I am never going to be with anybody that even touched a drug. Like... Just the, the idea of it, I had seen it play out in my family, I had seen it played out destruction in so many ways. I saw the teacher in me saw it as a repetitive thing that I was gonna like if they were if they had a habit when they were young, it was gonna creep back when, you know, like when they're older. It's anyway, side note, I just didn't want anybody that had ever touched drugs or had ever been married. David, on the other hand, went to jail for a year for selling drugs. Um
0: and, there, and yeah.
1: has been married and divorced before. So he's told his testimony this like was like the poster
0: child of doing it all wrong.
1: He's a poster child of what I said I would never. And <laughs> I um and then I also did not want to be in any sort of spotlight thing, like or ministry. Like I wanted to be a missionary teacher. I wanted to travel and teach. Uh that's what my degrees and in, in teaching and so I was set on applying before we got engaged I had already applied to teach abroad um, and so that was my thing and then yeah everything went out the window so all my I never's I had to lay down and accept what the Lord had planned for me so oh right and I didn't perceive this thing this whole talking on the mic and all that stuff um I when we were dating I was in the kids ministry and I loved being in the classrooms I was never the girl that was like get me up front how long do I have to be back here hidden no like keep me hidden I'm good (laughs) um and so I liked to be the children's director then and he is opposite and um at that time he was the campus pastor so I thought that that was probably going to be the case I didn't Didn't see past 10 years, of course. I mean, I was just thinking, this will be how it is. I'll get to stay in kids ministry. He'll do his thing. I won't have to move or change. I'm good in the kids. And then as time went by, we ended up starting our church. And it took me a few years to realize, like, okay, I'm a pastor's wife. And what does that look like? And what do people expect? And working through the whole process of pressure and then discovering my own self at my own time and all of that. So that was the process.
0: So we had to move past a lot of unrealistic expectations and there were more that I had Uh, but at the same time I had a list of realistic expectations and they basically were what I would call a non-negotiable and they were critical for me and they were critical for her too and we had the main thing the main thing that was, of course, we were both born again. She was spirit-filled. She loved Jesus with all of her heart, and she was uncompromising when it came to her faith. And there were other things for me, like children. You know, I didn't want to be with somebody that said, I don't like children. And there may be some of you here that feel like you don't like children or don't do well with children, but you've got to really take that to the Lord. You've got to take that to the Lord. And it doesn't mean you have to work in the children's ministry. But it does mean you have an understanding that God's about the generations and leaving a legacy, which we'll talk about next week. And so some people will never have children. They'll get married later in life, and they can't have children. But you can still spiritually parent and raise up sons and daughters and have a love and a desire because if we don't have that love and desire, we can't see the kingdom continue advance generation to generation. And so Amber was going to school for early childhood development and then went on for her master's degree in education administration, and I loved that. And I watched how she took care of the kids in the, in the children's ministry, and that was important for me because I wanted a family, and I wanted children, and I loved how much she cared. Um, so I also loved how—I loved the fact that she made me so mad because she wasn't willing to do the things on my list— the matter it made me, the more I liked her. It was kind of the oddest thing.
1: He kept dating girls that would do all of these things, and then he would be bored.
0: And, <laughs> and so, so I, I actually... Right. And so here's the thing. You know, every one of you are unique. And so what you do and how you do it and how you love and how you serve, there's nothing wrong in those things as long as it's spirit-led and it's what God wants.
1: Yeah, we're not... Don't hear that. We're saying don't ever do some right. laundry that you're dating. That's not... It was the point behind the fact that he needed to see a list. That's yeah. right.
0: And so by her putting her foot down, actually, that was attractive for me. And what I realized was she was, a, over time, I realized that she really was, in a sense, the one who compliments, who would, who would be complimenting, who would, be, um, who would basically fill the areas in my life that needed to be filled that I could never do alone, and, and vice versa. She was opposite of me, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, But her love for the Lord, her organization, her uh, administrative side, the way that she brings structure, planning, those were things that I don't have. I'm way more of a visionary, big picture. I'm not a shaper. I'm not a high doer. Those are the things that she is. But on the flip side, she's not a high influencer and a responder. And so our personalities would soon...
1: Exact opposite on the personality test.
0: We're exact opposite. Yeah. And so Not that those that's things, the way,
1: the right way, that's just us.
0: Yeah, like one of the things that I really didn't want, this was on my list of, of expectations. I really didn't want to marry a teacher. You know why? Because I didn't want to be told what to do all the time.
1: He was a mess.
0: <laughs> but on the flip side, I actually need that in my life. I need what she brings. And the opposite is our strength. Like, for example, you know, Deborah in the Old Testament had a husband whose name was Flames of Fire, but you don't know anything about him. She was the judge of Israel. She was the prophetess. Look at Joyce Meyer Ministries. I I love Joyce Meyer. I love her stories. I love what she teaches. I've never personally had anything I don't agree with her. But her husband does all the administrative organization and sits on the side. If you flip those roles, that that ministry would never go where it's supposed to go. And so the opposites actually bring the strength and the unity so that God can do what God wants to do. The challenge is, is if we don't lay our lives down for one another and get a healthy perspective, instead you butt heads and you fight and you don't harness the strength of what God wants to do. But you'll never be able to do that without the Holy Spirit and laying your life down for one another, ever. And so those were critical, important things to me that I discovered with Amber. And I realized ultimately in the time of of process that I didn't want to live without her for the rest of my life. I knew that she was going to be the best thing that could happen to me outside of Jesus. And so I pulled the trigger.
1: Pulled the trigger. Um, So (laughs) some of mine.
0: Well, I had another statement, and it has something to do with the toilet. But let's just put it this way. <laughs> oh, God! I did I what know I needed what you're
1: to thinking. do. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <clears throat> right. So that was That's quite right. the process, this five years. But it, my non-negotiable was that I wanted a patient and loving and kind man. I didn't want a man with an anger issue. That was probably one of my top, my top things. I had seen that play out in relationships in my personal life, and I did not want to ever get in a dating. And that's what I would say, that I, am, I lean more towards dating longer than I do shorter. I know that it can happen. Great, good for you. But me, practically, I think there's... There's beauty in in time because you can be great when you're dating because it's easy and you're in love. But if you date long enough, there might be a trigger and you get to see the real person. Um, And so that's when an anger, uh, you know, something could come out like anger or any other thing uh, when it gets hard. So we weathered a lot of storms. We did a lot of ministry and I got to see how he acted, how he reacted when Things happen, and there was never one single time in the five years that I saw him get a temper or get angry or ever yell at me or lash out at me. He was always patient and loving and kind, and that's what drew me to him the most, his heart, and his heart for others.
0: So we had lordship, and if you didn't start it right and made mistakes, which we made mistakes, but lordship is the answer to everything. Keep it simple. Get bridled in your mind and bridled with your mouth, bridled in your heart, and and really genuinely lay your life down at the cross. And for everyone that's single here, don't consider somebody just because they're hot or just because they make money or just because they seem to have their life together but they have no lordship. If you're not bridled by the Holy Spirit, eventually, mark my words, eventually the animal nature will come out. That's the carnality side of people, right? And so here in a little bit when we show you in Genesis 2.18 where the Lord said it's not good for man to be alone, therefore he created a helpmeet or a helper comparable to that person's because none of the animals were comparable. And so comparable and compatible go hand in hand. And when one person is carnal and the other isn't, or both people are carnal, you have two animals animal nature, or human nature people not bridled by the Holy Spirit. Now, at some point in this series, we're going to talk about what happens when you're married to somebody that's not bridled by the Holy Spirit, or doesn't have lordship, or is an unbeliever. In fact, you know the Bible has a lot to say about being married to somebody that doesn't know the Lord, or is an unbeliever. What I want to do is help keep all of the future relationships from going that direction, and if you're in that direction, give you the tools and the resources that you need. But there's a lot of singles coming. This church is growing. There are hundreds of young adults and singles. And as this church grows to 1,000 people and beyond over time, in God's timing, more and more are going to come. And more and more couples are going meet, to meet each other and start dating and hopefully get married. And hopefully both people will have lordship. They'll be bridled. They'll be spirit-filled. That's what I want. You'll, you'll be raised in the same church. You, you'll have like-minded visions. You won't have this weird thing going on. You know, I counsel couples all the time that one grew up Catholic and one grew up Baptist. And then later in life, after they had kids, one realized, I want to go back to the Catholic church. And one said, I want to go back to the Baptist church. I'm telling you, it happens all the time. Yep. Those or, are the
1: hard conversations you have when you're dating. How will we raise our kids? That's a whole nother thing.
0: Right. And so... Uh, Being in a culture that speaks a similar language is awesome. So Fran and Nicole and all these other couples that are dating, and we don't know that they're all going to get married, but what we do know is they have an opportunity to speak a similar language and learn and have a culture. And then for everyone else in here, all the married couples, all those that are older in life, that have experienced a lot, can get healthy so that we can, in turn, everything's got to be about legacy and the generations behind us. Okay, And God has a plan of how he does that. So we dated on and off for five years for various reasons. And during that time, we would date other people, not like multiple at one time, but we would like break up, date somebody else, only for the Lord to keep working on our hearts and drawing us back to each other. And so ultimately, we discovered and we learned that we didn't want anybody else but each other, but that was a process. And so even while Amber was dating somebody else, God spoke to her.
1: Yeah, so I was dating someone else for a good year there. And um, I had decided that I was going to switch it up and look for someone that wasn't so extreme. And so I... (laughs) I, he was just—he's a lot to handle, like really. And I
0: was—yeah, was me, was I like, mean, right he now. hit
1: me with the list and the crazy and the—I uh, mean, I was just like, okay, and this is not. nope we're gonna be done here. And then, and then I ended up dating somebody else for. A, I feel like it was, to me now all of this is kind of a blur. But rehashing this in this series is interesting. So I think it was about a year that I was dating this guy, and he. He was very chill, a lot like me, and he was, um, yeah, sol- solid. You know, kind of just never extravagant, and no uh, desire
0: to be in ministry.
1: Right? Yes. So easy. Everything. <laughs> 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 it would have been so easy. No. Anyway. Um, the point of the story. Okay, I I was dating <laughs> I was dating him, and towards the end, like we were really in in love with each other, and I, well, well, I thought we were. He was he was really into me, and I knew that he was making remarks towards a future, and we were making decisions because he was going to move, and it was getting to that point in the relationship. And then I had a dream one night that I married David. This one, and. <laughs> And it was so... I was in secret
0: (laughs) intercession that night. I was bombarding the heavens. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs)
1: at the time. Break him up,
0: Lord. Break him up. (laughs)
1: He probably was. I really think he was. I really do think he was doing that. And, um, I think there was a few other people praying that that would, this would happen, but I was never like, it was done in my mind and my heart and my, yeah, we were done completely. Wasn't into him. I had already shut that off. It was just too much, too much to deal with. And, um, so,
0: but we resolved that, thank right?
1: God. Right? It's been a long process, and right, right, right. Yeah, came out, came a long way. And I had this dream, and I woke up mad and frightened, and like there is no way I'm going to marry him. Like this, this has got to be one of those pizza dreams. This, this, this really can't be real, and um. I said to the Lord that morning, like, this can't be, I'm talking serious talk with this other guy, and I don't even, we don't talk, we hadn't talked the whole year, because you know how when you break up, and then there's that awkward phase, where you're like, eh, we just avoid each other, go this way, do and we worked at the same church, so we would just literally avoid each other, and he was the pastor, and I was the children's director, and so when we were broken up, we sat like five seats apart on the front row. But,
0: <laughs> but- I was always looking down the aisle. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Uh, one eye on Jesus and one <laughs> eye on him.
1: <laughs> and so this was during the season where we set apart. in all the breakups and together we were together that everyone in the church would see that we were sitting next to each other. Yes, Marley remembers few of you remember this fun little phase in our life. And then when we were broke up, we scooted apart. And so that was a long breakup because I was really discovering what I wanted. I was young. I was 22. So anywho, I had this dream, told the Lord the next morning, if you want this, then you're gonna have to completely change my heart, my desire. You're gonna have to turn me to be attracted to him. Like I had shut it off. You know how when you just completely shut it off. Not that he's unattractive to me, but I was just had it was done. So she can't
0: keep her eyes off me. Now, I just can't I handle
1: myself. And um, <laughs> anyway, it was not. It was.
0: Not <laughs> this is, this is- this is the most fun I think I've ever had yeah, in church. Oh,
1: so fun. So fun talking about everything. Okay, and then I I was serious when I told the Lord, if you want that, you're going to have to do like a miracle in me because it's not happening. Um, and of course, as time would tell, like that, that, like a week or two after, something happened to where we had me and this boyfriend had that come to Jesus talk about how we raise our kids and all of that and it was a lot was revealed and I was done so I sent him an email and broke up with him I still feel like that was wrong anyway um and and then and then it wasn't it wasn't that far I have asked for forgiveness about that and I had to ask for
0: forgiveness of my email too
1: yes these emails Emails are the way you do it when you don't want to talk.
0: <laughs> or text day. message. Yeah.
1: Um, anyway, um, then it wasn't, soon, it wasn't far after that that he started texting, and somehow it, he was pursuing. And then slowly but surely my heart turned towards him, and that's how that
0: happened. And so God changed our hearts and began to work on us individually and understanding that it was what he wanted. And ultimately the Lord knew what was best for me and knew what was best for her. What we had to do was get in line with that, and what we had to do was to trust him and to allow the Lord to work in each of our lives his way. And so, so, again, a lot of the things that I wanted for Amber were right, but either they were unrealistic for her or they were out of the right time. And so that was a process of me fully trusting the Lord. In fact, early on, the Lord told me that I can't push her in anything spiritually because if I ever pushed her, she would push back. And so pushing her, trying to make her to be something else than what she is would only cause her to rebel against that or say no way or push back against it. And so what I had to do, and I did learn this early on, was I had to really put her in the Lord's hands and trust that God would work on her individually and uniquely in his way and his time. Like there were prophetic words over Amber even before we got married, and ever since we've been married, that she would be preaching and having a microphone in her hand and teaching and doing the things that she said she'd never do. But I couldn't push her. I could only encourage her and support her as the Lord was working on her heart.
1: Right, because then it just felt like pressure to me. So
0: That's right. And so a lot of desires and understandings had to shift and had to change, and we had to allow the Lord to work in his unique way in his timing.
1: Right, so like we were talking about with the process of me discovering my role in the church and actually coming to a linked vision with him to pastor a church, uh, that was a process. And um, the, first, the first few years were in a fellowship hall, and I was having babies. So that is the reason why David ran with it, and there were bright yellow walls and blue walls. Yeah. And there was no structure. I wanted to
0: paint, paint flames on the wall, but...
1: You finally drew the line. That's right. That's good. And um, and I don't even know what was happening. I was just completely taking a backseat on that. And I focused on the kids. And it was in a slow process of him being patient for that's how the Lord worked on me and slowly spoke to me about stepping into more of a leadership role.
0: That's right. So things, that's why I can't, I know I'm, I, I'm being so repetitive with this, but I can't emphasize the Holy Spirit in your life. I, I can't emphasize it enough for you. What I don't want you to do is take, is, get any, is take principles and then beat each other up or think that's the way it is. You've got to have the Holy Spirit working in your heart because the only way this worked for us was with the Holy Spirit.
1: Right, and the death process that we talk about so much in marriage it doesn't mean it's the end of your desires and that the Lord just negates anything that you had in your mind and your heart to do in your life. It just means it's going to look different and better. And so right now, my life is different and better than I could have ever dreamed or planned. But I didn't know that in the beginning. I thought that I was, being, I was having to sacrifice my life and my will and my desires on an altar just to be... The pastor's wife, but now that I've slowly let the Holy Spirit lead and let Him lead, lead me, but not in a pushy way, that's what the helpmate thing is it's a slowly lifting up and encouraging and not pushing me into something, and that's what made the change. And now I can't even imagine my life any different. So,
0: yeah, so death hey. it's
1: just the whole, <laughs> yeah. It's the concept of death equal, equals life. So you lay your life down, you get something better. Because his thoughts, his plans are higher than what we could ever dream or imagine.
0: So, so pre-marriage, and even honestly in the first several years, there was this process of letting go of all the things I thought I wanted. Because I went into it with a mindset of everything about what I wanted. And it was the Lord that would have to shift to making it be not about me, but about her. Because we'll get to Ephesians 5, and you can go study that out in advance, but Ephesians 5 really helps us to understand marriage and being unified as one flesh and how Jesus laid his life down for his bride. And so one day, many years ago, Amber said to me, we, were, we, were, we had a lot of meltdowns in, in early marriage. Just it's the process of laying our life, a lot of conflict. But the good news was is it never got, because I was bridled by the Lord, even if I didn't handle the conflict right or it got messy, both of us were able to go back to the Lord and have forgiveness in our hearts because we were committed and we honored the Holy Spirit in our relationship. Even if we messed up, we were quick to ask for forgiveness and even tell the Lord we're sorry and each other we're sorry. And so one day Amber said to me, she said, I feel like you love the church more than you love me. And I'm just telling you, that hurt. I mean, that hurt. Man, that hurt. And I got so offended, and I got so defensive, and I, and I thought, how could you even remotely think that? I, I mean, I live with you. I do. I work so hard for us, and I got so defensive, and I got so offended at that comment that she said. And that day, I happened to be going on a trip. And as soon as I got on the plane, a few hours later, as soon as I sat in the seat, I heard the Lord almost audibly say to me, You know she's right. And I was just like, No, Lord, I don't know that she's right. How? Show me, please, how? And this is years later into the marriage. And the Lord took me back to my childhood. And what he showed me was how I was raised in a single-parent home by a father. I spent some time with my mother, but it was always separate. And the time I spent with my mother, she just spoiled me. Everything was about me. And being raised by a single father, I never saw what healthy relationships and marriage should look like. And I had an absence of a mother in the home. And so growing up in small-town Missouri... I really looked to women to meet my needs, to fill a void in my heart. So my understanding of relationships with women had always been a little bit skewed from from the time I was young. I had a stepfather that came into my life and raised me and in a sense rescued me as an orphan. My blood father left my mom and I when I was young. And this, this stepfather that I consider my dad that I love very, very much, he really brought the spirit of adoption into my life. And so this burning desire I have to rescue orphans and to see nobody live as an orphan and to have the love of the Father for you, I really have a deep love for every one of you. It's authentic. Because I don't want to see anybody not have what I have. And I, I don't want to see anybody live a, a life that's orphaned and abandoned the way that mine was. But when it came, so when it came to loving God's bride in the church, I had this burning excitement and passion, but when it came to loving her, it wasn't the same and my heart wasn't right. And the Lord was showing me that I really did. And it wasn't in a sense that I was wrong, but it was that I didn't have a proper understanding of who was most important and what mattered the most. Because in Ephesians 5, which we'll show you at some point, Jesus laid it all down for his bride. And so if I'm not laying it all down for my bride first, then everything here will be skewed. My ministry, my love, my desire, this church, if, I don't, if this isn't right and healthy, because the Bible says, if you can't manage your family and your home right, how can you manage God's family and home right? And so this process of, of me turning my gaze to her, because the understanding of helpmate, or help meet, I'm sorry, the understanding of help meet or helper comparable is to stand face to face. And so if you have this mindset of I just need somebody to walk side by side with me through life, that's not biblical. And most men do not have a healthy understanding of what it means to look to their bride and make life about them because that's what Jesus did. So now as I get this right, this makes this so much better and healthy and right. And too many men sacrifice their family and their wives for the sake of the call. And, that's, and I didn't even realize I was doing it. It wasn't my intention to do that. But I was doing that because I didn't know how. So you know how I resolved it? I repented. And I had to go back to Amber and say, you know what, you were right and I'm sorry. And I had to say to her, one of the hardest things for a man to say, And that is, I don't know how to love you. And I really, genuinely did not know how to love Amber after years of marriage. Oh, I was excited about the church and you and ministry and the kingdom and rescuing sons and daughters. But when it came to my bride, I was broken. And she didn't even realize what she was saying, but it was a turning point. And Over the course of time, I began to realize through the scriptures and through understanding Jesus's heart that marriage is the earthly picture and reflection of the love that Jesus has for his bride. And so most men have a skewed understanding of love and relationships with women. Most men do because they don't understand God's original design and original intent. And until we get a healthy perspective that it really is all about her, it really is. Jesus laid it all down for His bride. So now everything that we do, everything that I do, is with the mindset that if I propel her, and if I make her, to, if I support her and encourage her in everything that God has called her to do, and I make her my focus and my priority, then everything else in my life will blossom and bloom. Because we talked about this in day one of this series. If we're off, everything else is off. I can only go through the motions and pretend for so long. And if I'm turning away from her, then the scripture says something profound happens.
1: Yeah, in 1 Peter 3, 7, in uh, the Passion, it says, Husbands, you in turn must treat your wives with tenderness, viewing them as feminine partners who deserve to be honored, And the main thing I want to focus on is that, another way to say the tenderness, um, instead of tenderness, you could say intimate insight or consideration of what they desire and delight in, not ignorant of their preferences, instead lifting up and motivating one another. So, and it goes vice versa because in marriage you're one, so it's not just husbands do this for your wives, it's wives do this for your husbands. Preferring them, not thinking about what they desire, if that's always on our mind I have I have trouble thinking you'd have a, a not a great marriage because if you're always trying to prefer the other, things are going to be good Now I want to clarify that this is not in regards to an abusive relationship so if you are being um, physically abused or emotionally abused um, This isn't, we're not telling you to lay your life down, be submissive, be a doormat. That's not at all. This is talking about marriages that are both trying to, at least one of them is trying to strive to know the Lord and to follow the Holy Spirit. If you are in the other um, situation, my advice would be to get help um, and to tell someone and to not allow it um side note that was the holy spirit there because i don't want anybody to think that this is all about just meeting preferring others whenever it's unhealthy it's not that
0: and we can do our best to help you we're trench fi- we're a trench fighting church i want to create a culture where everybody's not doing their own thing we're all loving and preferring one another and at some point this thing's going to it's already starting but it's going to take off where life organically is happening and now you're in relationship with so many people and you're breaking bread and you're doing life that when things go sideways or get crooked, you got people surrounding you and supporting you and strengthening you. And so if you're going through it, get help. I mean, we'll, do, we'll meet with you. It may take some time. We need other marriages to work with other marriages. We're working on that in regeneration, and we're working hard to fill this gap of marriage and family, which is why we're doing the series.
1: Right. Um, so but the main thing is you want to do this you want to honor your your spouse because you don't want your prayers to be hindered. You want this communication to be the best all of the time and it does say in the scripture that that he will it will hinder your prayers. That's right
0: verse 8.
1: Um yes, sorry. Right. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. So in honoring and preferring your other um, you, are, you have a direct line, and he's going to be hearing you. Um, you don't want anything to get in the way of that.
0: That's right. And so if, if my heart is not united to propel her in every way, and I think that I can come to the Lord and do his thing on the side, my prayers will actually be hindered. The Bible says that. And so I don't want that. And now the Lord is gracious. He's kind. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's long-suffering. Make sure you understand that.
1: Yeah, there's still hope. It's not like
0: the Lord <laughs> left me it out to dry when you. I wasn't treating yes. her right. right. The point is is that we're discovering and we're learning. In fact, a lot of these things we're teaching you, we're only really learning in the last season. And we've only been married six and a half years. So we're learning and we're discovering. And we can learn from other marriages that have been married 20, 30, 40 years in this room. And so I want us to conclude with this understanding of help meet. We've talked about it a lot, and I want to help you have a healthy perspective of what that means. And so I want to show you the scripture first in the New King James Version. It's Genesis 2.18. And in Genesis 2.18, it says that the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. Or I'm sorry, I will make, yeah, I will make him a helper comparable to him. This is New King James Version. So think about that word comparable. Now look at it in the King James It says, I will make him a help meet, not help mate. And so I define help meet as someone that is equal to me, that can meet my needs in the areas I'm not strong or in areas that I'm weak in. And so what happens is she's a complete opposite. And so God brings opposites. I mean, the most simple understanding of opposites is check your plumbing.
1: He's meaning your physical plumbing. And And that's right, because we're opposites. External And God created it that way for
0: a purpose. I was excited to say that, but it didn't go over as well as it did last episode. It's
1: just so awkward to say plumbing. Anyway.
0: So let's go. So opposite, so, so it also means to defend one another. It means we protect, we're an aid, we're a surrounder. So it's mutual preferring, it's mutual compare, comparable, it's mutual submission, and we're gonna get to that down the line. Now, I'm called to be a spiritual leader, but really help meet means face-to-face. And so the only times that I would override her or she would override me is when it came to doing something ungodly. That's the only time, and that's never happened. Or, number two, if she can't make a decision or she's not sure or I'm not sure, at some point, one of us gets the download and we defer, like in our kids' names.
1: Right. In a lot of ways, I hear the voice of the Lord on big decisions in our personal life first, and I'll come to him, and in the beginning, he would usually dismiss it, and as time goes by... He's gotten to where it's a quicker thing, like if I hear what a decision for our kids schooling or whatever, I'll be really invested in prayer, and I'll get a word, uh, and I'll tell him, and now he's a lot quicker to be like, okay, I'm going to take that to the Lord, and then he comes back. I think I've heard the same from the Lord. Oh, that's good.
0: Yeah, like on on our son's name, Zion, I was very apprehensive of, of naming our son Zion David. I really was, and there were reasons for that. I thought, man, it's such a strong Hebrew name. It's like so strong, and it's a strong Jewish name. Not that there's an issue with that, but I just wasn't 100% sure going forward with the times we live in, and did I really want that name for my son? So I was back and forth. And then I was sitting at the light at Ennis Jocelyn, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, that's the name for your son. You know why why your wife wants that, don't you? Because she said to me, I know that's the name, and I said, I don't know why. She said, because my bride is longing for Zion. And I said, oh. "Okay." And I came to her, and I said, "You're. Let's go for it." And I couldn't imagine not naming our son Zion at this point. And so, there are a lot of things that I've learned to lean on her because, again, remember, we're equal. And though I'm called to be the spiritual leader, look at it in the context of I'm the one ultimately held accountable. And we'll get to that. But when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God had some strong words for Adam. Because you heeded the voice of your wife and not my commandment. And so there's this understanding that God really holds me accountable and holds the man. And again, I said this before, but I think all the women would want a man that's a strong spiritual leader. But that doesn't mean dominant, doormat, terror. It means I'm fully submitted to my bride because the word helper or help, helper and help me is the same thing that Jesus does for us and what the Holy Spirit does for us. And it's the same thing we do for God's bride. So I'm actually a helpmeet for you. I'm a servant for you. I'm an aid, a surrounder, a protector, as a shepherd. And now you become that for one another. And for all the new sons and daughters and the people that don't know Jesus in this world, we, are the, we actually help Jesus. I preached a message once titled, Taking Care of Jesus. Because Jesus says, as much as you've done for them, you've done for me. As much as you do to the least, you do for me. And so, There's this mindset that I'm fully laying my life down for her, and I'm an aid, a surround,er and a protector, and I have responsibility from the Lord to love my bride really, really well, and on the flip side, she does the same for me, and we work together now as a team because more often than not, God is speaking to her, and I'm learning to lean on her, and that's the way it is with the bride on earth. And we'll get to the bigger understanding. It's a great mystery, by the way, just so that you know. Read the last few verses of Ephesians 5. (laughs) Paul says this is, I mean, these are difficult things to explain. They're great mysteries. Marriage is a picture of Jesus and his bride on earth, but it's also a picture of us being united together as one. It's powerful, and we're learning, and we're discovering, and that's the joy of what we're doing. And so, I want to show you one thing. Bring that scripture up of comparable in New King James Version. I just looked up the definition of comparable. It's someone that is, well, the first, I will say Webster's got it wrong in the first one because it said, it says a relationship that's without conflict. I said, boy, did they get that wrong. Because <laughs> God refines us. You know, in, in marriage, in premarital counseling, what I talk about a lot is conflict resolution. Because most people learn how to resolve conflict by the way that their parents did it or what they've seen in the world or manifesting tempers and anger. And God had dealt with me on that. And so the comparable is also someone that is able to be likened to one another or similar or equivalent in quality and worthy of comparison. And comparable is also tied in with the word compatible. When most people get divorced, when I got my first divorce, the judge Signed the paper, and he, he didn't even want to hear the story. He said, so basically, you're not compatible with each other. Incompatible is most people divorce based on that. In the kingdom, comparable and compatible looks like something. And what makes two people comparable and compatible is this understanding that we're opposite. <laughs> and you can marry someone that has the same personality style as you. That happens all the time. But trust me, there's still going to be a lot of opposites. God designed it that way. And it's two people that are coupled or bridled under the lordship of Christ and coupled together in a community and in a family that's healthy and right. That's what I want. That's beautiful. That's family. That's community. And so it's standing face to face. It's defending one another. It's protecting one another. It's aiding and surrounding one another. It's what Jesus does to us, and it's what we do to his bride. But the first and foremost thing that had to happen for me was a complete turning to her. And this understanding of death, which we'll get to more, is that I had to make the decision that nothing mattered as much. If we didn't get this right, this didn't matter. If we had to shutter the doors and shut this thing down, then that's what we'd have to do. And it didn't matter what anybody else else thought or said. Because if I don't make this first and foremost, eventually this will crumble, like so many churches and pastors have, right? And so it's not about my ministry, except in the context that she's my ministry. She's first and for- after Trans- the Lord, which
1: means transference of life.
0: Which means transference of life. Yeah. Anything else you want to say?
1: You should be transferring life. Your ministry first is you and the Lord, then your spouse, and then your children. And in everything, are you transferring life? Is, are you giving life in everything that you're doing? If you're not, that's a red flag to go back to square one and figure out between you and the Lord what's wrong and get into um, relationship with solid people that can speak into your life.
0: That's right. So lordship is the key. The Holy Spirit is everything. I'm beating the drum of the Holy Spirit. I can't even tell you. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's biblical. Get the empowerment from the Holy Ghost. Luke 24, 49. Get endued with power, Acts 1, 5, 1, 8. Get your mind transformed and renewed by the Holy Spirit. That makes the most beautiful reflection of Jesus and his bride. And then you both together... Whatever it looks like, whatever God wants, you both together can step into his promise for your life. Or if you're already married and you bombed it to the ground, take those ashes together in repentance, give it to the Lord, get into a relationship with others, and let God trade it for beauty. Let him bring beauty into your life. We care about you. We're not raising a ministry machine. This isn't what you see is what you get. We're in it for the right reasons, not money and titles. If you got hang-ups with church, get past it. Get into relationship and family with people that will love you. It's only going to work that way. The sustainer is community, not the church. It's the community. It's family. It's, it's the body of Christ. I need men coming to the men's ministry and women going to the women's ministry and everyone 40 and under going to regeneration. And it may be small and imperfect now, but if we'll all commit to the process of discovery, Trust me, it will become a mighty force that can't be stopped and will transform the city because of family and community and life and will become the army that God wants us to become. And I'm going to tell you something. Even if you've committed affairs or been through an affair or had meltdowns and abuse, God can heal and restore all that. You heard that from Weston and Levi a couple Wednesdays ago. And we walked them through a lot of those processes and God restored and God healed and he can do it for you there's hope for you. It's never too late. Listen to me. It's never too late. If, you breathe, if you're breathing and Jesus hasn't come back, which both those are, Jesus has not come back and you are breathing right now. All right. That's right. And you're here, but you, we can't do it alone. We need an army of trench fighters. We need intercessors and warriors that will pray for this church and pray for one another and lay their lives down for one another. Whatever it looks like, She's she's deep in her time with the Lord. But it doesn't look like mine looks like, and I don't expect it to look like mine. What I expect it to look like is whatever Jesus wants for her, and then I propel that. Through lots of love and patience and encouragement and tenderness and kindness and preference, and so this morning, we want to pray for you guys. And here's who we want to pray for. Okay, you think about if this marks, marks your life. Next week, we're going to talk about children and legacy. We'll keep coming back to the marriage thing repeatedly. But I want to pray for those of you that are living with unrealistic expectations like we were. We want to pray for those of you that really just didn't have a good understanding and you just need to kind of repent and say, I think I might have got this wrong. I think I had the Bible misunderstood. I don't really, didn't really understand, but I, I understand now. But I want help, and I need prayer. So if you're lacking understanding or you have unrealistic expectations, we want to pray for those of you that are willing to trust God for whatever he wants and what's best for you, that you come to the plate and say, God, I, I just want what's best for me based on your desires for my life. We want to pray for broken marriages. They're, they're happening, guys. I'm just letting you know. I, I got, we got a list of people wanting marriage counseling. So we just, the best thing we can do is for you to get a realization and a revelation and repent and just get it in the light and get healthy, guys. It's not, trust me, you may think your thing's only uncommon and you'd never go through it, but a lot of people are going through it, okay? Okay. So we want to pray for broken marriages, and last, we want to pray for singles. Yeah, I love praying for singles. If you're single and in waiting, I got to, I especially like praying for the, the women that are single, because I think these days it's hard to find a man that's living at the cross and really on fire. Come on, women. Yeah, but I'll pray for all singles, men too, praying for the men too, and I want to pray for you guys. It's it can be difficult. Hormones are raging. Desires are raging. You got to be bridled by the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, you got to be bridled by, the, bridled by the Holy Ghost. So we want to pray for all, all of that. So let's all stand.